Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Young Su Chung. Young, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. I'm uh, really excited to be here. So it's it's really interesting. So every guest has a has kind of a different way that they they want to kind of prep for the podcast, and they, um, you know, sometimes they'll ask questions. Sometimes they'll say, "No, let's get rolling. Let's just jump in and just just go for it." But I really appreciated, you know, the fact that that uh, Young took just a moment before we started and really wanted to know who the listeners were, so he could speak directly to you. So. I am really, really anxious to to start firing those questions away. But before we get started, could you please just, uh, if you and I met at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I graduated in 2009, and obviously a great time to graduate uh, with the Great Recession. I actually started off in finance, uh, and I chose finance because at that time, you know, it's finance or consulting. You either go to investment banking or consulting. And... Um, when I graduated, I wanted to kind of like have a side hustle um, mm-hmm. because I felt like, I don't know, it just felt like I, something that I wanted to do. I always wanted, I, I always knew I wanted to start a company, um, but I didn't know like where I was going to go with that. So I started off as a writer for a personal finance blog and I was getting paid $25 for every article. <laughs> And it this took me two hours. Own, you were just writing for a, for another blog. Exactly. I yeah. was writing for another blog and it took me two hours to write an article, minimum of two hours. <laughs> and so that's like less than minimum wage probably. Like, that's, that's McDonald's wages. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I, uh, that's kind of where I started. And then um, did a few other things here and there. And then ultimately wanted to get out of New York City because I wanted to get into the startup scene. Mm-hmm. And so the community was not there in New York City. So I decided to go to San Francisco, one-way ticket to San Francisco, and I actually slept on the floor of my friend's small apartment in Berkeley for three months. And I was I was living off of one suitcase. You know, I didn't have a place, basically I didn't have a place to live, didn't have a job. And you know, three months, my back was hurting. It was just a very, very rough time. And um, yeah, I, I, I was finally able to get a job in a mobile gaming startup. And from then on, it just kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to start my own company one day. And that's why I, wa- I moved to San Francisco to get into tech and eventually start a company. Um, but it, I, I, I needed to find a job first and then network my way into that kind of environment. Um, so I was there for two and a half years. And then uh, actually the company was downsizing. And so I was part of that layoffs. Mm. And so I found myself without a job again. And then at that point, I kind of revisited the reason why I moved to San Francisco, which was to eventually start a company. And I was hoping to meet an engineer who I could, you know, um, 
get along with and start a company. But I was in business development for that startup. And I don't know if you know, but uh, engineers and business development people, they tend to like not get along as well. They're often at um, odds. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I decided to take a slightly different path, which is um, learn engineering myself. And so I actually went to a coding bootcamp, 13 weeks, 8 a.m. till 9 p.m., Monday through Saturday. And wow. it was really intense. And I actually learned them. It's brutal. Um, but I, I actually learned more during those 13 weeks than probably my entire college four years. So what coding uh, the, camp was it? I'm, I'm curious. It's called uh, Hack Reactor. And it was in San Francisco. I think they got acquired. So um, it's something else now. But at the time, um, it was really them and one other coding boot camp that was kind of the go-tos. Um, yeah. And yeah, I went with them. I actually didn't even get in the first try. So this is something that I don't actually talk about very often. But I applied and I and they denied me. But I was really persistent and I was resilient. I essentially just like, told the staff, I was like, I need to get in. How do I get in? And then yeah. they, they gave me some assignments and I did those assignments. And then they finally accepted me through my persistence. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, after that coding bootcamp, I got a job at um, a company in the blockchain space. So blockchain startup, which yeah. is very exciting. This is 2014. Okay. 2014. 2014. So it's, it's yeah. pretty early days. It's very early days. Yeah. Um, this is before Ethereum and actually Vitalik was, um, I actually met him and, and saw him in the office once, once cause he was visiting. Um, and he, Vitalik actually used to work for this company. Uh, little known fact, but, um, but anyways, so I was, did that for a year and a half and then all the regulation stuff started happening, um, right around November or no, I'm sorry, September of 2015. Mm -hmm. And so, I decided to leave because I'm someone that always wants to keep things moving. And I just didn't feel like it, it didn't feel right that I, you know, that I literally can't do anything at work. Like one time we went to go watch a movie on a Friday, like our team together during the, during the work day, we went left and go watch the Pixar movie. And like, that was all fun. It felt like a field trip. Um, <laughs> But I don't know, for me, it just wasn't something that I could wait on. Like, it was just so uncertain in terms of like, okay, what's going to happen now with regulation, all that stuff. And I mean, we're still not clear with regulations today. So, um, but anyway, so after that time, I, I left and then launched um, Urban EDC. And so Urban EDC, Everyday Carry um, is what it stands for. And so it's stuff like carry on a daily basis. So wallets, watches, pens. Um, pocket knife, flashlights, this sort of stuff. Still have and, that, that running today? Yep, it's still running. Um, got teams of about five people. And um, I've essentially delegated most of the tasks and also decision-making to um, my team. And so what's really nice is that um, they are now carrying out the vision for the company on their own. And so that allowed me to kind of take a step back and work on other stuff. Um, and yeah, so, you do this through like drop shipping or Amazon FBA or nope. so, so just all source it on your own. Yeah. So this is a really interesting story too. So to, to validate the shop, I actually bought stuff off of Amazon and resold them at the same price. So obviously it didn't make any money, but it was a valuable 
uh, I guess, testing to see if this concept would resonate with the community. And so what I did was I went to Instagram, which is where the audience for Everyday Carry Gear, um, yeah. they were hanging out. And I, I, I was able to get uh, a built an audience about 10,000 followers. And at that point, I, um, I also had an email sign-up link in, in the bio. And so people will click on it, sign up for their email, whatever. Uh, and then ultimately around 10K followers, I decided to test this shop with, um, you know, some stuff I purchased off of Amazon um, and just to validate, right? Because there's no shop at this time dedicated to everyday carry gear. Um, there's a lot now, but at that time there wasn't any. And so I needed to validate whether or not people would actually, you know, want this kind of stuff. So seems uh, easy to build a community around. I mean, just the concept alone is, is a pretty unique niche, you know, concept that is kind of edgy, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I would say so. I mean, it, it's, um, a lot of people are really proud of what they carry because it represents, it's almost like, um, jewelry, but mm -hmm. for men. Yep. So people yeah. carry like a special coin that they, I don't know, acquired somehow, or they'll carry a knife that their grandfather gave them. And it kind of gives them a sense of, um, I don't know, like pride and, uh, and also just almost like identity. And so that's kind of where it starts to get really interesting is not just, oh, you know, I'm carrying a pen because I need to write stuff down. It's more like, oh, I carry this specific pen because of this story that, you know, that I have with, with that pen. Right. So it's so almost you that like a, through the product side or through the story side. So, you know, you said your Instagram followers, is this pretty much like the community was being built by people just posting what they carried and some explanation from that, or was it really more product-based when you were building the, the Instagram account? Uh, so I, what's really interesting is that the community itself is very product driven. So they love seeing cool gear. They love mm -hmm. seeing, um, you know, very unique things that they've never seen. Right. And so, I went from community first, but the community, what they wanted was to see products. So it was a really nice tie-in um, where compared to like a lot of lifestyle brands, you know, you can't sell the product. You have to sell like a certain way of living. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't like that here. It was just more like, here's the product. Like, you know, these are really cool, like cool stuff. You can buy them at whatever. So, yeah. And so it was a more affiliate like purchases or was, were you actually buying and, and reselling in the site itself? Yeah. Buying and reselling on, on the side. So, um, yeah. So there's a lot of inventory risk there as well. Yeah. And that's why like we only, we actually, so we started off as a retailer. So basically we would reach out to other brands and say, Hey, we just launched our shop. Um, do you have a whole you know, line sheet? And so we mm -hmm. started with that and then, for several years, we were rolling with that for a while. And then maybe two, three years ago, we started making our own mm -hmm. knives and those started doing really well. Yeah. And so we're doubling down on that. And um, yeah, that's been, it's been kind of a, a fun journey. So I'm, I'm curious about the, just the knives you hear so much yeah. about. I went to, through TSA and I lost my, my favorite uh -huh. knife, you know, type thing. So <laughs> is that, have you seen that kind of thread through the Instagram account as well? Um, yeah, people do lose stuff up going through the security. Um, <laughs> it's, I actually have a good friend. He's, he travels everywhere and he's bought 
a lot of stuff from the shop and every time he comes visit he always shows like look at all the stuff i got through security and he would always show me and i'm like wow how did you get through security with that um and so he does i mean obviously he, he does have his fair share of confiscations but um but yeah he just likes to show me like all the stuff that he's been able to carry um yeah so it's you know you've done exactly what like every entrepreneur probably dreams of, you know, you, you kind of started from scratch. It sounded like you probably bootstrapped this and then you've grew it. And then now you can kind of like the old e-myth adage that says, you know, stop working in your business and start working mm -hmm. on it. And you've delegated mm -hmm. out and you've put people in charge that, you know, are responsible and, and gifted and, you know, can, can kind of carry the weight for you. But so, but that has, that's led you to something else. What are you involved in now? Yeah. Um, so in 2017, we brought home a French bulldog, his Instagram account actually blew up, uh, a few of his videos went viral. Um, and so actually there's one video where I'm kind of like cradling him, but the video cuts off like around my neck. And so like my torso is like basically been viewed a million times by, by random strangers on the internet. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, that video was the one that really went viral for him. And so. A year later, uh, my wife and I, um, we, we launched a dog boutique shop called Spotted by Humphrey. And so we utilized kind of the backend operations for our e-commerce business for Urban ADC to power the backend operations for Spotted by Humphrey. Mm. And so similar model. Um, and then a couple of years later, we had a lot of people asking us for fulfillment help because uh, fulfillment is, is typically a very big pain point for e-commerce uh, store owners. And so... Uh, we actually had paying clients before we had a website and before we even um, had a name for the company. And so that was like really good validation for us. So we decided to go all, all in. And so that's when uh, GrowthJet was born. So GrowthJet is a third-party logistics company and we're also climate neutral certified. So we want to make sure that, you know, all the um, carbon footprint uh, is offset for 2020, 2021, 2022. And so, um, yeah, so that one, we just moved into a 39,000 square foot warehouse and we're ramping up. Um, so essentially we provide um, fulfillment services for emerging e-commerce brands that are growing very quickly, uh, mostly direct to consumer. And yeah, that's been going really well. And wow. yeah, now gutsy. it's kind of a, yeah, it is, right? And you're taking on Amazon FBA almost head-to-head. -head. I mean, it sounds like. Yeah, you know what's so funny, Kevin? I um, I was at, so when we first launched GrowthJet, we launched it out of a second-floor dance studio, if you can believe it. And it was terrible. Never start a fulfillment operations on a second floor. <laughs> With no elevator. Elevator situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just terrible. Um, but anyway, so Rinch we cheap. did that. And... Um, <laughs> We actually got noticed. So it was actually this one big warehouse with a lot of small, smaller businesses operating in it. And we received notice one month prior to leaving that warehouse that um, Amazon was taking over the entire warehouse. And so literally we got pushed out by Amazon. It's essentially Amazon FBA. Uh, and we had to quickly find a new warehouse, uh, you know, in South San Francisco. And this was during a lockdown. So everything was a lot harder you know we didn't know if we were even allowed to go outside and a lot of us this is march 2020 just to get mm, yeah. time frame for everybody um and so that was really tough 
But yeah, we got through it. We actually locked up a really good lease because everyone was freaking out and all the lease prices were all crashing down. Yep. So uh, we took advantage of that. Um, and yeah, so we we moved out of that space recently into a bigger space, 39,000 square foot space. Um, and yeah, we're, we're now kind of rolling along uh, then. Um, now... I am starting a podcast called First Class Founders. And this podcast is essentially a culmination of everything that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to be more public about what I'm doing. Um, and it's just kind of like, uh, these are. this is kind of uh, you know what I wish I'd known before I started um, this entire journey. Yeah. Uh, someone would just sit down and talk to me. Like, I'm just talking to this mic, like, you know, I'm telling all my stories. And so that's what the podcast is about now. Uh, and so that's kind of a newest, you know, initiative that I'm doing. Mm. And I, I, I wish you well in that endeavor, but we're, we're going to get a little sneak peek today because we're going to, we're going to get, as we close the podcast out today, we're going to dig into your, your psyche a little bit and, and, yeah. uh, you know, pick Let's those mentor moments that, that, uh, you know, are, are just the nuggets of gold for, for listeners, but before we do that, I've got a quick question about uh, kind of nature versus nurture. I mean, mm -hmm. it seems like to me, you you know, from a pretty young age, you 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 had in your mind, I'm going to start something. I'm going to I'm going yeah. to you know, I haven't I have the entrepreneur gene, so to speak, you know, the DNA. <laughs> so, do you think that most? I mean, you you've had extensive, you know, I guess history in in Silicon Valley and seen you know probably thousands of people in this space. What do you think? is is um you know what do you think about the idea of kind of an entrepreneur gene yeah so this is a really interesting question i think that i think that there is something that would make someone a better entrepreneur versus not a, a you know a mediocre entrepreneur and i think that is like patience discipline, hard work, you know, ethics, like this yeah. kind of stuff, I think is, I'm sure it can also be learned, but it, if it comes to you more naturally, then it's easier for you. It's, you know, the analogy that I like to use is like, you know, um, LeBron James, right? Like, obviously he's one of the best basketball players ever, right? I could have been, you know, playing basketball when I was a little kid and like just been able to, you know, maybe I could have gotten to a certain level, maybe college, you know, but I, I would, I would probably never be able to achieve what he's achieved. I'm yeah. pretty certain that I could say that, right. With pretty, yep. pretty good confidence. And so that's like, um, you know, I, I could be determined and work, I don't know, like 20 hours to all this, you know, practice and skills and all that stuff, but I won't ever achieve that level. And so, I think that everyone has the ability to get to a certain level. And the great thing about entrepreneurship is that it's not a game like, like, for example, I can't go out and play amateur basketball and get paid for it. Like um, it's, it's, it's not that in, de in demand, right? You have mm -hmm. to be at a professional level to get paid yep. well. Yep. Whereas entrepreneurship, you can be like, you know, a side hustle, you can make a few, you know, hundred dollars, couple, you know, a couple thousand bucks here and there and that's that might be okay with you right? right so the game of entrepreneurship is great in that it's not 
it's not this like skewed game where the best entrepreneur, I mean, I'm sure like there's like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, but I mean, um, but like, it's not as skewed as something like, like a professional basketball, right? Where yeah. um, I can't just go out and play basketball and make like a couple of thousand dollars a month, right? Right. Um, and so that's why I really like about entrepreneurship. That is a yeah. really good analogy, I think. Um, yeah, so I, but I do think that, you know, you said it can be learned. I think one thing that can't be learned as much as is like this internal drive, you know, you probably, you probably walk down the street and you have, you have gears running in your mind that the average person doesn't, you know, you have ideas and thoughts and, and Hey, we, we could do this, or we could do this, or I need to try this or, you know, and the other, the average person walking beside you is going, I got to pick up my laundry on the way home, you know, or my dry cleaning on the way home. And, you know, your, your gears are always spinning. And, I, I would love for a couple of those to spin out some ideas here as we, mm -hmm. as we close mm -hmm. this idea of absolutely what are, what are one or two things that you think would be really helpful to people that are kind of sitting in that cube thinking I need to bust out of here, or they're just getting started with something that really just, just ideas that are, that are industry, you know, that are not industry specific, like just leading well, founding a company well, starting a brand well, you know, what are one or two things that really stand out to you? Yeah. So I think that if you're just getting started, um, I like to do this exercise myself where if you imagine that, you know, money was not a concern, let's say someone miraculously gifted you like, I don't know, a hundred million dollars, right? So you are no longer working for money. What mission or purpose do you want to serve? Uh, and so that's kind of the first part of it. And then the second part of it is skill sets. So I always like to tell entrepreneurs to look at their previous experiences because everybody has a ton of experiences that are unique to them only. And that's where the you know real golden nuggets of wisdom lie. And you may be thinking to yourself, like, I haven't done anything with my life. Like, you know, like, but that's actually not true because everybody has a unique story that they can tell. And it's yeah. all about storytelling. Yeah. And so if you combine like the piece where you want to really serve and make an impact, um, you know, not having money as a concern. And then the other piece with like the skill sets and the experience that you had, and you marry those two together. I mean, you can get some really interesting ideas on, you know, what industry you want to be in, mm -hmm. um, you know, what skill sets. And I'll just give you a couple of examples because maybe that's a little bit too high level for listeners. And so let's say you're, um, you know, a huge wine lover, right? You love drinking wine, discovering new, um, you know, wineries and vintages and, and whatnot. Um, and you're really good at, let's say, creating videos or storytelling. So you're combining the industry, like a winery or, you know, just, just generally wines with your skill set of storytelling with video, combining those. And maybe you go out to different wineries and you you do a whole like review or whatever, but you're marrying those two, like you have the industry and then you have your skill set um, that you've built and kind of like putting those together to create something. Um, and I always urge people to, um, have something that you start from passion and purpose because um, you won't go anywhere if you're just trying to do it for um, for either money or fame. Like those are probably the worst reasons to start mm -hmm. something. And 
honestly, like people like to say, like they really want to be an entrepreneur because it's cool. It's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur and it sounds sexy and people will look at you with respect. But trust me, being an entrepreneur is the least sexy <laughs> thing that you can do. I love like it. you are literally at the bottom of the totem pole and you have your customers are your bosses and you have to That's serve your customers. That's right. And um, honestly, like the moment you quiet your ego and serve others, that's when the, the, the flip will switch. And a lot of entrepreneurs think from the, from the opposite way, where like, oh, I'm the, I'm the cool entrepreneur. Like, you know, you got to respect me. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this person, but actually um, the moment you quiet that ego and you think beyond yourself, like now for me, like I'm trying to empower my team. Like I no longer, I, I want them to have a good life. I want them to be able to, um, you know, go out and achieve their dreams. And when I look at it that way, instead of me being like, all right, I'm their boss. This is what you need to do. You're all working hard for me because I want to buy that car or buy that house. Like that approach is not going to work. You have to yeah. flip it. And once you serve others, that's when all the magic happens. Mm. So it seems like the, like what you described, I, I've seen it like the icky guy you know, kind of mm -hmm, diagram, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. passion and what the world needs and what you're good at and what the, you'll get paid for, you know, where's that intersection of all those, you know, concepts. And mm -hmm. I love the way you, you kind of frame that. And, and it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've done this for, you know, five years or so, and I, there's been so many different ideas and perspectives and opinions about whether passion is important or not. There, there are people in here that get on there and they go, no, it doesn't matter if you're selling widgets or you're selling, you know, potholes in the road. You know, you, it just, it's just a matter. It's the game. It's the game of selling. But I tend to agree with you. I think on those most difficult days when you just don't feel like getting out of bed, if you care about what you're doing, I think it will, it's that extra little boost of energy that you need to kind of get over that hump type thing. And, and I think it also affects longevity you know, how long will you be engaged in the, in the pursuit? You know, you mentioned earlier patience and, you know, just character and the things that you need to, to do well. But I mean, I love the way you just, you frame that and, 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 you know, just, just kind of wrap this up really well with mm -hmm. that, with those two, you know, really good insights. And is there anything else that we just haven't touched on? You just want to wrap us up with today and, and maybe just tell people what's the best way to kind of follow up with you. Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so you can find me at uh, Yong Su Chung. It's Y O N G S O O C H U N G. And then, if you want to check out my podcast, um, you can go to FirstClassFounders.com. All right, FirstClassFounders.com. And so, how long have you been have you been doing your podcast? Uh, launched in November, actually. And it's so. just you, kind of a monologue. Yeah, they're mostly right. solo episodes. Um, I'm starting to experiment with different formats, but mm -hmm. um, I think everybody that, does. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think you have to, right? I mean, you kind of yeah. have to try different things and see what happens. No um, doubt about it. No doubt about it. Man. I, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I and I, it would be gold to just be able to kind of pick your brain just week after week or every couple of weeks or whatever. So yeah, I, I'm anxious, anxious to anxious to give it a listen. But uh, man, thanks again for for just taking time today and. I know you got a busy schedule because I mean, you know, rarely do we have people on here that are trying to run like three things at one time. So I, I, I know your your time is valuable, but just really appreciate you just sharing your your story and sharing your insights. 
and really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. And thanks again. Have a great evening. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate uh, you having me on, on the show. Thank you. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.